You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. 2023 for me is offering great volatility. So I I think we've all gotten used to this kind of wild market. I think it's going to be more of the same, maybe even more volatile. I do think at one point the S&P finds itself well down over 30% from the all-time highs in 2023. And I do think that gold is is one of the, the places to hide. I'm Bill Powers. It's Mining Stock Education. And we are talking today with Gareth Soloway, a trader with InTheMoneyStocks.com. Gareth, wel- Gareth, welcome back onto the show. And I'd like to get your thoughts for 2023. I saw an yeah. analyst recently post for 2023, buy gold and sell equities. Would you agree with that? Well, first off, thank you, Bill, for having me back. Awesome to be here. Awesome to chat. Um, In general, I would agree with that. I think that 2023 for me is offering great volatility. So I I think we've all gotten used to this kind of wild market. I think it's going to be more of the same, maybe even more volatile. I do think at one point, the S&P finds itself well down over 30% from the all-time highs in 2023. And I do think that gold is is one of the, the places to hide. Uh, as the Fed kind of gets to that point where they say, okay, we're going to start, we're going to start to that reduce the amount of hikes we're doing. We're going to go to 50 basis points, then 25, then maybe zero. That's all gravy for gold, right? Gold wants a Fed that is either zero hikes or dropping rates. And I think what you'll see is an economy that still has decent inflation, which is going to keep the pressure on gold to the upside, but the Fed won't be able to hike much more because the economy is going to slip into recession. So I'm right there with that, actually. Okay. So gold, do you have a price target for gold next year? Any numbers you can lay out there as you look at the charts? Yeah, absolutely. So so let's let's go right into some charts here. Let me show my screen, share my screen here so we can actually take a take a look and see and we'll take it step by step. So the beauty of it is is that, you know, in all fairness, gold wasn't a great, it wasn't like it was up 50% for 2022. But the crazy thing about gold is that if you compare it to the S&P or to Bitcoin, it was, I mean, that was the place to be in 2020-22, right? So so it's, it's done really well. What I love is the recent price action. And what I want to show you guys is take a look at this. So you had this little W bottom pattern. You had a breakout a retrace to that level. And then it went up to the next level of resistance. You can see this top here and this area right back here. Now, my guess is that you'll actually see another breakout to the upside here. And eventually we're going to find ourselves back to this kind of triple top. It'll be a triple top at that point in 2023. Now, I actually do think we'll exceed this level. The question is by how much, but I do think that we will exceed the 20, 2070 high on gold in 2023. To look look at a certain like a target line, I would say you could connect this high here. And so you could be looking at at least 2150, maybe 2200 on the upside as resistance in 2023. So percentage wise, that's not bad. I mean, you're talking, you get to 2150-ish, you're looking at about, what is that? About 20% or so upside in gold for a year, which for gold, that's an awesome, awesome year. And what's your best leverage way to profit off of that from a trade perspective? Yeah, so the leverage is tricky, right? Because anytime we do leverage, we we run the risk of over leveraging ourselves. Um, I think for me, it's the GLD. I like the GLD. Um, if you're aggressive, I think the GDX is going to be a great way to trade it. If we go to the GDX, in fact, which is the gold miner ETF, it's had an amazing run recently from $22.50 all the way to $30. I mean, percentage-wise, 
That's remarkable. Notice where it's stalling out, though. I love showing where, you know, where resistance is coming in. And what we can see right in here is it came right up to these former little pivots. So you got to let it digest here, which is what gold's doing as well. And then I think we could easily head back to the $40 level here. Now, one of the interesting things about the miners and why they generally were weaker in 2022 is because inflation pressures really ate into their ability to generate profits. And I think people don't understand that. When gold, even if gold just stays at flat, because they had to pay their labor more, their their costs for their equipment went up because of inflation, they were really getting squeezed in terms of their profitability. Now, if you get inflation to kind of stall out and maybe not go up anymore, this is where a price that a rising price in gold can really help them do well. Gareth, uh, for GDXJ, which is more like a mid-cap miner, it's the closest thing we have to kind of see where the junior miners are going, but we need speculative dollars to flow into these stocks in order for, or in order for that to move. Uh, could you give me an analysis of GDXJ and also talk about where our speculative dollar is going to flow into next year? Yeah. So, so here's your GDXJ chart. And you're right. I mean, you know, if you look back you go back to 2020, that was really the high on GDXJ. It's kind of been in a downtrend for a long period of time here. Uh, a couple of things that catch my eye here. Um, number one, we look at the lows from 2021 and notice how they all align. So what that tells us is that this is a very important support level. And if by chance, I don't think it gets back here, but if it did pull back down to that same line, that would be a no-brainer buying opportunity. Every time it hits, it bounces off, hits, bounces, hits, bounces, and you can get these very nice moves. The other thing to look at would be connecting these highs here. And that would be kind of your resistance line. Now, for me, when I look and I zoom in on this chart, there's kind of this kind of inverse head and shoulder pattern where I would be a, a huge buyer. If you could get GDXJ to pull back to 32 from 35.20, that to me would be a no-brainer buying opportunity. And you're right, the GDXJ usually percentage-wise gives you a much bigger move uh, than even the GDX. So I think that's that's one way to look. Uh, to answer your second question, you went into, you know, where's the place to be? So I think gold, gold miners, um, that's where you want to see your money in 2023. And then I also think you want to be somewhat of a, of a swing trader. You don't want to be a long-term investor yet because I think the economy will go into recession. But I think there are stocks out there that they'll get so discounted, good quality names that you can play them for bounces over the course of the year. I also think that we'll likely hit bottom on Bitcoin in 2023 as well. And that will offer a very interesting kind of risk reward uh, trade. So I'm looking actually on Bitcoin like around 9,000. I think we head down there, but I think once it gets there, it becomes very, very intriguing as a long play. So you lowered it to 9,000. I believe we were talking about 18,000 six months ago or something like that. Is that because of the FTX fallout and everything sentiment going down into the tanks? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, yeah, originally I was talking about just sub 20,000, that 18,000 level. And then what really ended up happening here is that, you know, the more I studied cycle action and cycles, it's not so much the FTX scenario. It's more just the inability for us to even see any sort of rally. It's just step down, step down. And what you have to do is you have to look and realize that the Fed is no longer printing of money. And so this is the first bear market in Bitcoin where the Fed hasn't been printing money, which means it probably needs to do even more downside than past cycles. Past cycles were 80 to 85 percent decline. We haven't even quite achieved that yet. So I think on a stopping point, that 18 to 20 was the first stop. I think there'll be another bounce around 12 to 13. But I think you have to look at 
you know, the, the 9,000, you want to get to max pain on Bitcoin, just like any cycle, it has to get to max pain. And that probably is when it breaks 10,000, you'll finally get some sort of bottom there. So we're looking at a stair step down on the Bitcoin chart here. Are we going to have like a spike low to get to 9,000? And what might be that event if we do have a spike low? Yeah, so I, I do think that it'll get down to like close to 10. And then you'll have that sharp dip below 10, which will wipe out a lot of stops. There'll be a lot of stops in that vicinity. And I think that'll come with either a shock on regulation, right? The announcement of regulation, which I actually view to be a very, very positive thing for crypto. But I think initially it's going to shock most crypto investors, they're going to say, oh my gosh, you know, these cryptocurrencies have to do X, Y, and Z now. Oh my goodness. Can, can they afford to do that? Right. Whether it's audits or this or that. And I think that's going to initially panic. And then you'll see big money come in and scoop that up. So I would say it's most likely regulation. I think FTX to me, FTX is like a Lehman Brothers moment in 08. And, and what's interesting about Lehman Brothers is the S and P from that date fell for another five to six months. It fell about 40 to 45%. And so if you think about FTX being the Lehman Brothers of the crypto market, it then means that we probably bottom out by May-ish, maybe June. And we probably, again, 40 to 45% drop from there takes us to about 9,000. Wow. So what is your perspective on uh, central bank digital currencies, especially as we're talking about Bitcoin? You know, are we going to be herded and forced into central bank digital currencies? And are they using the FTX uh, fallout, you know, as a narrative to push us there? Yeah, there's no doubt that anytime you get these bad actors in a sector like crypto, that that's going to be the the reasoning behind. They're going to give that reasoning. Hey, we have to do this because if not, then people are going to get their money stolen and so forth. Um, having said that, I think the 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 digital central bank currencies, the risk that they're going to push on the crypto market is for stable coins, right? So so if we think about it, like Bitcoin, one of the luring things about Bitcoin is that. It can't be printed, right? It's mined, but there's a maximum of 21 million. You know, a CBDC, the government can just print unlimited amounts. So you don't have that same sort of scarcity aspect to it. It's really like the dollar. It's just a, a quicker way to make transactions versus the dollar. So so I think the big question, and I don't know the answer to this, is, is how does it affect things like Tether? Um, that would be the bigger question that I would have. And I'm not 100% sure. I think, again, investing in Bitcoin, generally pretty safe. Ethereum, I think, you know, there's so much built on the Ethereum network that I think there's a ma major amount of value there. But again, with the tethers of the world and such, it's it's a bigger question mark with the CBDCs. You mentioned at the outset that volatility will be a thing next year. Are you playing the VIX at all or do you expect to play the VIX? I do. I do. I've been eyeing the VIX here. I just want it to get down to like, so I think everyone expects it to kind of hover around 20 and then move up. I think by end of year, and if, if we continue to sell off into the, the Federal Reserve meeting next week, I think you might actually get an end of year rally. And that could push the VIX maybe down to like 17 or so down in this lower range. And then that's where I'm looking. So I'm trying to thread the needle on that because the VIX is so volatile. I mean, we, we know how quickly it can swing back and forth, but I am absolutely looking to inch into the VIX. I just need it below 20 towards that 18, 17, 16 range at that point. Are there any good energy trades that you're eyeing up? Mm. 
Wow, that's a good question. So I've been a bear on energy all year long. Um, again, to me, it was a no-brainer that oil was not going to go to 200 like everyone was saying. And the reasoning behind that was it was very macro and very simple to me. You know, when we saw Russia invade Ukraine, everyone said, oh, my goodness, oil is going to go to 200 or at least 150. I looked at it and I said, wait a minute. So this is going to put stress on the overall economy. Then you have the Federal Reserve's around the globe hiking rates, which is going to slow the economy. Yes, the reduction in oil from Russia maybe puts a little upward pressure or cuts from OPEC, but it it, it is it is dwarfed by the 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 reduced demand for oil, right? I mean, just think about you have a global economy which potentially could go into a global recession. We know China's basically there at this point because of their COVID zero policy. And so to me, it was like, okay, well, oil's gonna go down. And sure enough, it has. Now, what's interesting about oil here is it's breaking support right here. But I do have a very key level right here. And if we zoom out, look at look at this going back to 2019, where you have these pivot tops, and then you kind of bounce off of it here and here. And so if we do hit 65, 65 and a half, I do at least think you get a bounce there. Um, again, now how to play that. I mean, I think you look for best of breed, and this is, again, a swing trade. It's not a long-term investment. But like, if we continue to see uh, ExxonMobil really roll over, um, potentially going into, let's see here, let me put a trend line. Like, if it came, if, if oil hit that level of 65 and a half, and, and Exxon fell right into this 88 level, then to me, best of breed, you buy that for a bounce. I think oil bounces nicely off of that. But for the most part, I, I honestly think that we will see a big recession in the US. So it's hard to really be overly bullish aside from a swing trader on oil. What about commodities in general? Are there any commodity chart setups that you really like? Because you've talked in the past on this show how you like some of the big miner setups and also the commodity complex. Any specific commodities though? Yeah, so specific commodities, definitely gold, definitely silver. Silver and gold are, are kind of my two top plays. I'm trying to be a little bit more careful with the coppers and the oils, the ones that have that industrial side to them where it's more of a, a demand growth story. I think you might get a bounce as Russia, uh, excuse me, as China kind of reopens and gets away from this COVID zero because I think their economy could pick up. But I do think that again, you know, the Fed just being so hard nosed on raising rates. And, and remember, it takes six to nine months for a rate hike to filter in the economy. So you could argue that we haven't even seen the impact of the last 275 basis point hikes, let alone the likely 50 basis points next next uh, week, and then maybe even further out from that. So I think that the economy is going to slow, which makes me really shy away from the coppers and the oils, unless they're swing trading opportunities. Last question. You're a trader, so you make money on the way up and the way down. Where do you see the best opportunity to make money on the way down in 2023? Wow, on the way down. So I think what you do is you start to kind of isolate down some of these, some of these kind of like, you know, tech names that are still the darlings. Um, for instance, Apple for me is definitely one where, where I would look to be short. Um, and again, I mean, that sounds crazy to most people. And that's exactly what I want it to sound, right? I mean, when it's a crazy idea, that's usually the right idea. And so for Apple, there's a really important trend line right here. And you can see how Apple's been hovering and kind of coming down and hitting this level. So if Apple breaks like 136, I think it has downside. 
to probably about $95. And I think we likely hit that in 2023. So I think Apple's a great short up here. Obviously, a break of the trend line, it would be best. Um, and then other than that, I think you just you just look to short anything that has an economic impact, meaning that you know if oil bounces sharply back up to 80 or 85, you look to short that back down uh, and kind of play those down moves as the economy continues to weaken. Kara, thank you for your 2023 outlook. Um, remind listeners that aren't familiar with your work, what do they find at InTheMoneyStocks.com? Absolutely. So at InTheMoneyStocks.com, I have a service called Verified Investing Alerts. I do a daily video, usually 15, 20 minutes a day, hardcore technicals going over all the inside action in the market, in stocks, commodities, you name it. And then I also put out trade signals. So if I see a good trading setup based on technicals, I'll, I'll give you the exact entry price, stop, target, everything you need to kind of follow suit and trade it. Excellent. Thank you for in, your insights and thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Bill, so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty dollars or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.